Hello, and thank you for joining the North Point Church Lutes podcast. We're excited that you found us, and we pray that you'll come back often and listen again and again. Each week, we upload the content preached in one of the North Point Church services here in Lutz, and we pray that you'll come back and listen and marinate on what it is that God was teaching us. The more that these messages get into your heart, the more that you have the opportunity to be obedient and allow them to change your life. We believe that God is real and His Word is true, and that has the power to change your life. So let's lean in together and see what it is that God has in store for you today. morning church family i am excited to be with you today and thank you for all those that are joining us online today and i'm grateful to have you with us as well and if we could begin today's message uh with just a time of prayer i I feel led that uh we really need to be praying this morning for two things specifically one for um our church families and friends that are in uh new orleans and just all those that are dealing with uh, hurricane ida that's bearing down there right now in in that part of our country but in addition to that, uh, what's taking place in Afghanistan uh, certainly has uh, everyone's attention in our country and the globe. Um, and so those are two things I just want to call our attention to, to, to lift up in prayer. So would you mind uh, praying with me now at this time? So, Father, uh, we call upon you, uh, the Lord of Heaven's armies, um, that um, we know that you have all things in your control and in your command. And we're grateful, Father, for your sovereign care of the world and the sovereign control that you have over this world, and the plans that you have over this world. And Father, right now we think about, um, in the natural sense, there are storms and things that take place on this globe that create disasters and calamities that, um, although now with technology we can see them coming, they're still difficult to, to sustain and to, to live through. And so we pray for our friends right now that are dealing with that. Uh, in our country um, that are going through the, the issues that are, are, are going to no doubt happen now. Um, we pray for you protect lives, but also would help them get back on their feet and to deal with the uh, picking up the pieces on the backside. But also, Father, our minds are, trans, uh, are transfixed and focused on the issues that are happening in Afghanistan. As we've watched these details unfold over the last couple weeks, of what's taking place over there. Father, our hearts are breaking. Our hearts are quaking and shaking over the, the thought of all that is to come there. Um, but we are so grateful that you have um, uh, the globe in your care and that you have a ultimate plan in place of how you're going to take care of this world and how you've already redeemed it through your son and how you will work things out in the end. But in the meantime, Father, there are people that are caught in the crosswinds of that. There are Christians that are caught in the crosswinds of that. There are military Americans caught in the crosswinds of that, and innocent people caught in the crosswinds and crossfire of that. And so I pray that right now your mercy and your grace would be with them as they are waiting patiently and crying out to you. And no doubt they're waiting and crying out and hoping and trusting that you are mobilizing um, the ability to help them and rescue them in, face, in the face of certain um, danger for them. And so it's in Jesus' name that we pray, and we have confident hope that you're listening. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Such an important time in history, isn't it, that we live in? 
Um, we're watching some big things play themselves out. If you have your Bibles today, I want you to open up to Psalms chapter 13. Um, there will be a verse that's not going to be on the screen in just a moment. And I want you to have your Bibles because we're going to refer to it a couple times. And so uh, bring your paper, paper Bible with you as often as you can to church. It's an important thing because you can take notes and write in it, believe it or not. You don't get in trouble for writing in this textbook. Um, and uh, we want you to be able to have access to it because these are some great things you can, you can jot down in the margins. And so we'll be going to that in just a moment. But I want to tell you a quick story. A couple weeks ago, I had a doctor's appointment, and my doctor's appointment was scheduled for two o'clock in the afternoon. But I didn't get to see the doctor until well past 3.30. And so that, that was already irritating enough. But they called me because I was a new patient and said, be sure to arrive 30 minutes early because you want to have time to fill out paperwork. And I'm like, really? So I spent over two hours waiting to see the doctor. So I got there early to fill out my paperwork. And um, when I arrived, I hand my paperwork off and she's looking to make sure I fill out everything correctly and so on and so forth. To which she quickly recognizes when she sees my email, she sees the words Pastor Steve at the npc.org and she's, oh, are you a pastor? And I said, yes, I am. And she was a believer and it was nice to be able to just talk briefly about faith and where's the church and maybe I'll come visit. And I don't know, maybe you're here today and, and this will be an embarrassing story for both of us. But... <laughs> I didn't think about that part of the story, first service. So here I am, uh, and, and now, um, you know, she knows, my, my, uh, she knows I'm a pastor, and so now I'm waiting, and, I, and now I'm getting angry waiting, and I'm watching people who, who've come after me who were going back behind the door, and I'm like, they're not bleeding, there's no head trauma, there's no problem, and like, why are you, do you have like some type of secret, I mean, pass, I mean password, how are you getting back there instead of me? So I'm over here stewing as a new patient, but I can't say anything because I'm Pastor Steve. <laughs> I can't walk over there and go, hey, 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 you know, I'm like, what, what's up, Pastor Steve? Love is patient, love is kind, love is all these wonderful things. And so I'm just like blowing my top. By the time I get back around 3.30 to see my doctor, he says, hey, I notice your blood pressure's a little high, is that normal for you? And I'm like... Do you think so? Of course my blood pressure is high. I, 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 I've been waiting. I mean, no, Pastor Steve, you're a pastor, aren't you? Yes, I, I'm a pastor. Yes, God is so good. He's merciful and just and all those wonderful things. But the reality is, I, I can tell by your laughter that you're just like me. We hate waiting, don't we? I hate waiting. Put me in a grocery store line. Put me in traffic jam. Put me in all these situations. I, and I think it is that we're just hardwired up to hate waiting. Uh, God designed us this way. He knows this about us. And that's why it kind of frustrates me that, um, that when God is, it makes me wait for certain answers to prayer, it's like, you made me this way. And doesn't your word say, don't provoke your children to anger? And like, when you don't answer my prayer, hello? I mean, aren't we little, you know, just kind of mixing things, things up here, you know? But the world we live in doesn't really reinforce the, uh, it, 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 I mean, it really re- it reinforces this instant world I live in. Because everything is instant. I can get everything I want. As a matter of fact, if you look at your Pop-Tarts box, it actually gives you microwave instructions for your Pop-Tarts. Microwave your Pop-Tart for three seconds in the microwave. Three seconds. Listen, if you don't have time to toast your Pop-Tart, you have bigger problems than breakfast, okay? You need to to loosen up your schedule. But in all seriousness, we hate to wait. And waiting is that much harder, especially when it comes waiting for the Lord to answer a big prayer in your life, isn't it? That's the truth. When I need God to answer something big in my life, and time is of the essence, 
And it's heavy and it's weighty and it's real and it's big. Waiting's really, really hard to do. My guess is that you probably can relate to that. And when I read God's word during times of waiting, I'm comforted because I get to read things like the verse we're getting ready to read in Psalms chapter 13. Hopefully you've had time to find that by now. Because all throughout the Psalms, we get to see King David in a way that you and I can really relate to him. Because he cries out to God in times of waiting. And there's just one of many Psalms, but this is a short one. I want to read a few verses to you. And you can hear his desperation as he waits for God. So let's just read it. Psalms chapter 13. And here's how it begins. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? You think he's waiting? You think he's been waiting a while for God? How long will you forget me? For, forever, God? I mean, how long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, God? You think he's waiting? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart? Every day. Are you paying attention? How long will my enemy have the upper hand, God? And you can see his strength fading when he says these words in verse 3. Turn and answer me. Turn, Father, and answer me. Oh, Lord, my God, restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Do you see a man who is in desperation here? Perhaps you felt this way before. In fact, the whole book of Psalms, you'll find prayers like this over and over and over again where David has moments like this with God. So you're in good company if you've ever experienced that. Because waiting is hard. Waiting's hard when you're waiting for God to answer a big prayer and you're in urgent need. But what makes waiting especially hard is when you're waiting for God and there's no visible evidence that there's any progress happening. That's really hard. I kind of wish that somehow or another God would have designed in his creative genius some type of progress bar like we have on our computers that just says, you know, your prayer request is being processed. <laughs> you know, it's uploading. Okay, good. Okay, it's there. Now it's you know, updating. And now you're installing two minutes until re- two minutes remaining. Okay, okay, I can wait. <laughs> you know, 15 minutes, 40. I can even wait 45 minutes, sometimes two hours, you know. And then you do something stupid and it jumps to like 19 hours. You're like, okay, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know. I get it. You're going to delay the prayer because of that stupid thing I said or did. I mean, it would kind of make it easier, wouldn't it, if we had some way of kind of knowing kind of where I was in my prayer time. It would certainly make holding on a little bit easier. Waiting is hard, especially when I don't have any visible evidence that they're making progress. So I wonder, did God bring you to this place today? Did God get you to come to church this morning to watch online today because you're in a season of waiting in your life right now? Do you have a shelf from which you can draw that emotion from, that experience with? Are you going through something right now that you just absolutely need God to answer? Are you getting restless right now in your situation? Are you frustrated or maybe even getting scared or experiencing emotions like anger and Maybe you're even freaking out because time is running out. Time is of the essence. And God seems like he's late. And and although you know in your heart that God is caring and loving 
and compassionate and kind, you're beginning to think he's not concerned about, about this or about you. Are, are you feeling right now in your situation a pressure that things need to be able to move quicker? And, and in your prayers, although they're respectful to God, you're starting to get a little bit irritated and you're saying, come on, God, come on, come on, come on, come on, like King David did. He's like, how long are you going to let my enemies have the upper hand? Come on. I know you can do this, please. Have you kind of moved past that maybe in your situation and now you're beginning to calculate in your mind what is your next step? And your mind's this busy workshop of solving problems now, making excuses and second plans and figuring out what you're going to do now and what you're going to say and how you're going to solve the situation. Believe me. Throughout the course of my life, I've been a believer now for 40 years. I've gone through seasons like that. I'm currently, my family, we're in a season like that. I know what it's like to need God to answer. Time is of the essence. When waiting's hard and God seems silent, He seems late. I know He's not unconcerned, but it certainly sometimes can feel that way. It's hard. And I understand. And so if you're in that position, I want you to know that everything I'm going to talk about today, I get it. And so together we're going to walk through what I think is, hopefully will encourage your heart in the waiting. And how we can walk through this together. And how we can be stronger in the end. Because when we're going through it, it's difficult. Somewhere along the way, some well-meaning person will bring to you scriptures, and maybe you even have this hanging on your wall, but it's not ministering to you the way that you hope it would. And Isaiah 40, 31, many people have it on coffee cups and hanging on plaques in their walls, in their houses, and it says these words, but they who wait, there's that word that we hate, but they who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. I don't get that. Well, they'll mount up with wings like eagles, and they'll run and not be weary, and they'll Walk and not faint. Wait, what? What? Waiting renews strength? That doesn't make sense to me right now. Maybe, maybe that's what you're thinking. The waiting doesn't make sense to me right now. To me, waiting just seems frustrating. Waiting to me seems scary. Waiting to me doesn't seem like it renews anything. It seems like it's draining mentally. It seems like it's draining physically. It seems like it's draining emotionally. It's exhausting. To you, you're thinking that... I will renew, i sure my strength will renew when God answers my prayer, then my strength will renew. Sure, my strength will renew when I feel God changing the circumstance. Sure, I, I, my strength will renew when, when I, I feel like God is giving me like a next step, like just like what's next. I feel God... I feel like strength renew, and I just feel like he breaks his silence would be nice. And I feel like his word is speaking to me again, because right now it's just like words on a page. I did anything. Have you felt like that in your situation? Over the course of 40 years of being a believer, boy, I know what it's like to experience that. 
So you think when you hear verses like, wait for the Lord, he'll renew your strength, you're like, don't read verses like to me about flying or soaring or, or running, because right now I'm just struggling to get out of bed in the morning. I'm just trying not to lose my job because I'm struggling with just, just to get on with my day. And I get it. But what have I told you? And when you're praying, even though you can't see results, and even though you're waiting, and it's hard, and it's draining, what if I told you that there was actually something happening even though you can't see anything happening? What if something was actually happening even though it looks like nothing's happening? What if I told you that God was working in the waiting? What if I could somehow convince you just in a little bit to say that God is working in the waiting? Would you be willing to hold on to your hope a little bit longer? What if through Scripture I could, I could show you that there's a reward and there's a benefit and that there's a recipe for success in which you could have full confidence that God is working in the waiting? And if I could show you with 100% certainty that God is working in the waiting, well, then the question for you is then, how long would you be willing to wait if you were 100% convinced that God was at work in your situation? How long would you be willing to wait How much longer could you hold on? Could you hold on a little bit longer? Would you be willing to hold on a little bit longer? Because let me assure you, he is fully aware of what it is that you're going through. He is not asleep at the wheel. He is 100% attentive. He is not unconcerned. He is not absent. And though he is silent, and though it feels like he is late, he is preparing and at work in your situation. He has heard your fervent prayer for all those who have prayed humbly and who have prayed from a position of a repentant heart. If you've laid that on his throne in that capacity, in that way, in a level of fervency with persistence, he's heard you. And you have to trust and you have to wait that he is working behind the scenes. And you're going to have questions, yes, And he may not work it out the way that you're praying that he will, but he is at work. And we have to trust him. The Bible says that they that wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. So that can be trusted, although it doesn't make sense to you. Because by personal experience, waiting is draining. So either that verse isn't true or we don't understand what it means to wait on the Lord. And so I want to do a quick word study with you as to what it means to wait on the Lord. Let's go look at the word wait and understand what that word means. Because I think that it's, it's not just the fact that we're waiting, but it's understanding what that word waiting is. Because my guess, and what we're going to learn, that it's not just waiting, but it's what we do while we wait. That's the secret sauce to all this stuff. And so the Greek word is the word kawa. kawa. I can't say it right. But the Greek word is kava. That's what it is, kava. And there's three kind of meanings to the word kava. And I think you have to see them all together in order to really get a good picture of how you and I can do that. How we can kava when we wait. We wait on the Lord. 
And the first meaning or the first definition is to stop or remain stationary. That's to be still. It doesn't mean that we just like sit there in this numb kind of depressed state. It means that there's a rest of the mind. It means that we let this busy workshop stop trying to solve everything, that we let God try to do it. It's not disengaging and going just kind of dumb. It means that we disengage our control and we give it over to God. We become still before him. Be still and know that I am God. You know that verse. The second definition is to stay or to rest with expectation. So we're resting in expectation, and this requires a little more of a scholarly answer. And so I'm going to read to you the the scholarly kind of definition by John Oswald, who's an Old Testament scholar. And this is what he says regarding waiting on the Lord, implying two things. One is that there's a complete dependence on God. So when we rest in expectation, there's a complete dependence on God. The second part of his in definition, implies that there's a willingness to allow him to decide the terms. So even though I, this is what I desire, I have to just trust God in his will and his sovereignty that he's going to decide the terms. So Oswald writes, to wait on him is to admit that we have, to, we have no other help, either in ourselves or in anyone else. It is to declare our dependence and, and confidence in his eventual action on our behalf. Thus, waiting is not merely killing time, but a life of confident expectation. So a modified definition, would, my opinion, would be to stay or rest in a confident expectation. So we let our mind rest before God, be still and know that I'm God, just trust that he's got this. But there's a confident expectation that he's working behind the scenes. And that there's no other option that I have except him. And that no matter how he chooses to work this out in his sovereignty and in his will, that I'm going to be in the best place possible because God has my best interest at heart. And so I'm going to yield to him. And then finally, and this is my favorite of all three of the definitions when they all come together, is that waiting or to kavah means to hold fast in a prepared state of readiness. You're holding fast, but there's like this prepared state of readiness. I like to think of it like a bow and arrow, an archer that's drawn a bow. And when you're cavalling, is that you've, you've put the, the, the bow in the, in the uh, you put the arrow in the bow and you pulled it back and now you're waiting for the release. And so it's that position where you put the arrow in, you've drawn back and now you're waiting for the release. It's the kavah. It's like you are fully prepared to execute and release the arrow. This is how we wait with expectation. We are ready and we're holding fast and we are prepared because we know that our triumph is going to unfold. We know that God is preparing something. We know that God is at work with a confident expectation that he has a plan that he's getting ready to execute and that he's going to invite us to be a part of it. When and when he's going to do it, I don't know, but I want to be ready. It's the idea of a racer who's in, the, in, in those, you know, the, those, uh, the starting blocks, ready to take off, waiting for that firing gun to take off. And we're in that, that position. I'm not just going to wait around until God finally does something, and then I'm going to go get ready. This is making all the preparations for the miracle to take place. Wow, how beautiful is that? And so it's all three of these things together. Psalms 119.95 is a, is a really good example of that, line, of that waiting, but it's a negative example, but you can really see it good because you, you can make a great picture of it. Psalms 119.95, the wicked lie in wait, 
they're hiding and they're waiting to destroy me, but I consider their but I consider your testimony. So it's like this idea, they're waiting to pounce, right? We know that idea, right? Well, put that in the positive spin. Psalms 27, wait on the Lord. So you're waiting. That same type of pounce behavior, like I'm ready, waiting for the Lord. I'm being strong. I'm letting my heart, let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. It's like I'm just ready. It's that posture. Do you see the difference? It's not a defeated posture. It's not like, oh my gosh, I guess it's so drained. I'm just so defeated. It's like, no, my God is on the job. It may look like he's late. It may, I may feel sometimes like, he's, like, like, like he doesn't care, but I know. I know that's not true. I have to look back in my past to see how true, how faithful he is. All my life he has been faithful. All my life he has been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I'm going to praise the goodness of my God. Even in the midst of my waiting right here in the situation. The secret of the, Lord, of the Lord renewing your strength so that you can soar and you can run and you can fly is found in the, in, in, in the waiting, not just waiting, but what you're doing in the waiting, the choices you make, the attitudes you have, the preparations, your actions, your decisions, the way you worship, the way you, you serve others, the way that you still function, your testimony in the waiting, all those things. And I think that sometimes the how long we wait is associated with how well we wait. So I want to look again at that same passage I started with. But now I want to finish the passage with you, now that you understand the definition, because I think you would have missed it if I would have read it all on the front end. Because we, when we first looked at the passage of Scripture, we just saw kind of the waiting and like everything was wrong. But now I want you to see how David understood this principle. And you're going to go, wow, how cool, how beautiful. David understood what it meant to kavah. And so let's read it together. Psalms 13. Verses 1 through 6, hopefully you have your Bible or your Bible app out because you, otherwise you'll miss some of these great, beautiful nuances. But listen to my words as I read them to you if you don't. Here it is again, the whole psalm. It's only six verses, so it's not long. Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? Here's that pain again. He's waiting. It's hard. It's terrible. How long will you look the other way, God? How long must I struggle with my anguish in my soul, with my sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand, God? Turn and answer me, O oh God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I'm going to die. My strength is failing. I'm growing weary. Don't let my enemies gloat. They're saying they've defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But now, listen to how he kavaz. You already know the pain. You can relate to the pain. He's waiting. But listen what he chooses to do while he waits. But, verse 5, while he waits, I will trust in your unfailing love. That means he's being still with, a, with great expectation, hoping and trusting, with confident expectation, holding fast. I will trust in your unfailing love. I know that you love me. You're not unconcerned. You see that? You nod with me. Come on, you with me? And then he says, and while I wait, I'm going to rejoice because you've rescued me. So not only am I going to trust you, and I know that you love me, even though it feels like you're unconcerned with me right now, 
I'm going to rejoice, which means what? I'm going to worship you even in the midst of this time. I'm freaking out right now, but I'm still going to rejoice. I'm still going to be worshipful because you've rescued me. So what does that mean? It means, did you rescue him now? No, he's not rescuing him right now. He's saying, God, where are you right now? So what he's talking about is something that's happened in the past. He's preaching to himself, reminding him of God's past faithfulness is exactly what you and I need to do. In those moments, we say, I trust you with an expectation that you're on the game. You're, you're, you're not uh, absent. You are not unconcerned. You are not late. You are working behind the scenes. And, and, and I know that you love me. You're not unconcerned. I'm going to worship you even though I'm totally freaking out. And I know that you have rescued me in the past. Therefore, you're going to take care of me again. You're going to do it again. We just sang this together. I've seen you move and you're going to do it again. And so I will sing. I will sing because you are so, so good to me. Not in this moment. Because right now, it stinks. But based upon who you are, I know you are. You're good to me. Over and over in the Psalms, you see that. And, and my guess is you've read the Psalms and you've kind of thought like I've thought in the past. Man, David's kind of bipolar. Because you're like, he's like, oh, God, help me because everything's going so wrong. But you're so awesome. God, I love you to death. And you're like, like in the same song. Have you recognized that? Come on, you've recognized that, right? And you're like, you're like man, like every, seems like every song, David's like so upset, but yet so happy in God. He's like, God, you are like totally like dropping the ball, but that God, you're so faithful. It's like, so either David's crazy or he's figured out how to kavah. Do you understand? And so where would David learn how to kavah? Where would he learn it? As a little shepherd boy, when he was anointed with oil, to say, you're going to be the king, and then he would wait. And don't you think there was times that David wanted to take that over into his own hands and to fix this thing and make it all work out? He had multiple times to take Saul out of the picture, didn't he? When he became to get older and a mighty warrior, but he never hurt Saul, because why? We must be careful not to push through the tension of waiting and retake control while we wait on God. David understood that. And so all through the Psalms, when we read it, I pray you read it with a different light and a different perspective. David understood that while we wait, we worship. While we wait, we reform ourselves of our past and what God has done and how he's faithful. And that God is such a good and faithful God. So powerful to me. If you're in a season of waiting and you're scared and you're confused and you're freaking out, I want you to know that he is fully aware and you can find him renewing your strength if you can learn how to kavah. Elizabeth Elliot once said that I do know that waiting on God requires the willingness to bear uncertainty. That's hard to do. And to carry within oneself the unanswered question. That's so difficult. And when that happens, she says, lifting your heart to God about it whenever it intrudes upon your thoughts. Because all those questions that are warring against what you know about God, man, they're just, that's a mess. She's saying that every time it comes up, you have to, you have to t- take it to God whenever it intrudes upon your thoughts. And then she finishes by saying it's easy to talk oneself into a decision that has no permanence. It's easier sometimes than to wait patiently. 
We must be careful not to push through the tension and retake control while we're waiting on God. That's the hard part. The kava gets easier the longer you walk the journey of faith. Now, if you're new to the journey of faith, if you're a young adult, if you're a teenager, if you're a new believer, you have to grow and stretch in your area of faith. And I can tell you that it's not easy to do because when you're young, you're still kind of under the shelter of your parents' faith. And you have to be able to develop that faith on your own. It has to be your own faith. And that's not easy. But I will tell you that oftentimes God's miracles are often, they often happen in the final hours and they're often a little scary. Most of the things that God has done in my life have usually happened with my hands clenched and my knees knocking and my eyes like totally bugged out because I'm afraid. That's how I grow in my faith. And it's in times of waiting. God rarely moves in those first hours. So we have to recognize that God will stretch us and grow us and test us in order that we can grow in our faith and learn how to soar like an eagle and learn how to run with endurance in our faith. So let me close with a brief eagle illustration, if I will. The mother eagle, after sitting on her eggs and protecting them with her entire life, everything in her. She sits on those eggs until they hatch, and then day after day after they hatch, she will go get food for them, and with her beak will gently feed her eaglets until they're strong enough. Then after, after a certain period of time, that mother eagle, with the same beak that she used to hunt and feed her babies with, and with the same body that she would warm her baby eaglets with, and with the same talons that she would uh, attack and, and protect her baby eaglets with. So with the same beak, with the same body, with the same talons, she would one day reach into her nest and she would grab her young child, take it out of the nest, and she would th- push it over the edge and let it fall. Now, the mother's not trying to be mean. She's got nothing against her children. It's just that she knows that her child will never learn to fly in the safety of the nest. And that the eagle, the eaglet, will never learn how to fly until it pushes against the very things that it is afraid the most of. In the very same way, this is how God works with us. And as the eaglet is falling from the sky, it's just tumbling. It must think that my mom is unconcerned. It must think that this is so wrong and my mom must be mad at me or doesn't care about me anymore. And someone needs to call Eagle Protective Services on my mom. All the while, the eagle's just tumbling out of the sky, and it's just flapping and screaming and screeching and falling. 
crying out and screeching and falling and wonder why mom's not helping, scratching and screeching and flapping and falling and flapping and falling and flapping and flapping and flapping and flapping and flapping and flapping until it begins to soar and it begins to fly. Folks, I think in so many ways that God is trying to do this with us in the waiting. And while we're waiting and while we're screeching and while we're flapping and while we're flailing and while we're thinking he's unconcerned and while he doesn't care and what's going on, he knows that we will never learn to grow and we will never learn to fly in the safety of this nest and we will never learn to grow until we push past, Right? the things that we're the most afraid of. Don't take control while you're waiting. But learn that while you're waiting, that what you do while you wait matters. So while you wait, you worship. And while you wait, you trust. And while you wait, you prepare. And while you wait, you praise him. And while you wait, you study his word. And while you wait, you remind yourself of God's past faithfulness. And while you wait, you minister to others. And while you wait, you put your best clothes on and you look the best you can. And you help other people understand about the confident goodness of your God. Because God is on the scene. And he may not answer the way you want him to. But all those questions will come second to the one who you know is true and who loves you and who's got this thing. And so this morning, I'm going to close our service by inviting anyone who's in the same position that my family's in, in a place of waiting to be prayed for. And so I've asked my good friend Todd Stevenson to come up here right now and to close our service because I need prayer just like many of you. And so without delay, I want to ask you right now to move forward. I'm going to go right down to the the bottom of the stairs here. And we're just going to stand right here in this front area. I'm going to ask my wife to join me. We're going to come and just stand here. Todd's going to lead us in a prayer. If you are going through a season of waiting right now, and it's hard, I just want you to join me because you need prayer. And I hope that you'll join me down here. And if I'm by myself, I don't care because I need it. But uh, And then we're going to worship together, and then we'll go home. All right? Thank you, Todd. And I want to invite you that are online while those that are in the room are coming down to receive um, from the Lord today. If you're watching online and would like to receive prayer this morning, I just want to invite you to, to just change your posture in some way. Put out your hands or maybe get on your knees or bow your head. Or, But if you want to partake in this, I'm going to be praying for you as well. I want to invite you to join. Let's pray together. Father, as I was sitting there this morning preparing, you filled my heart with your joy. And I could feel it. The joy that was welling up in your heart for how proud you are of your children. For their willingness to wait on you. And even by coming to receive prayer this morning, the choice they're making in their heart to trust you and to wait on you and how proud you are of them. And so, Father, I thank you first and foremost for being that kind of father, for being a good father, that you don't treat us like orphans or slaves or employees because that's not who we are. We're your dearly loved sons and daughters 
and you long to give us the gift of endurance, the kind of endurance that frees us from our circumstances, allows us to be who we are in all circumstances, to walk in the love, joy, and peace you created us for. And so, Father, I just want to honor their willingness to come forth and those online, and I ask that you in this time would draw them close to you. That in this time, while they're waiting on you out here externally, that you draw them close, that they hear your sweet voice in a new way, that they're able to see your face, that your presence would be their comfort now, that there would be an intimacy and a uh, closeness to you in this time that is uncanny. And Father, I pray in this time that you do the work that you did in David in them, the work you did in Paul when he said, I have learned in all circumstances to be content. That same thing, would you do that in them now, in this waiting? Would you detach their ability to walk in hope and joy and peace and love from external things? Would you remove that tie and instead draw them to you and make that connection between you and your presence? May your presence, may your comfort be profound in this time. Father, you are the God of all comfort. Comfort them. And Father, out of this, would you give them the gift of endurance? The endurance that allows them to stand in all kinds of things and give you glory and praise and honor. Their joy will be unheard of because of their willingness to receive this from you. And Father, when the time comes, when when it comes time to change the circumstances, to answer the prayer, Father, may you send the wind underneath their wings that lifts them up and they soar. They don't wait as an eagle on the ground crawling around, but they wait on you now forevermore in the air. Thank you so much for being faithful. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And amen. 